Hi, we're back from the Do More Good Summer Holidays with an episode recorded before we went away. Colin belgin Plues joins us to tell us the story of the big pink dress. We talk about how unconventional running attire has been a consistent theme in his life, how the dress first came about and the injuries it caused. We also get into his motivations for starting, how he finds it difficult to stop and why he's always happy to have a selfie. Welcome to Season 5 of the Do More Good Podcast. You're listening to the Do More Good Podcast. The Do More Good Podcast. Uh, welcome to Do More Good Podcast. Do More Good. Do Good, Do More. Do More Good Podcast. Do More Good Podcast. That's what you want me to say. Okay. You're listening to the Do More Good Podcast. Here we are, James, episode number 59 of the Do More Good podcast. How are you doing? I'm good, Keith. I was looking at the diary today, and uh, we're recording on the 6th of July, and it's IOF fundraising convention today. This time last year, we were in a martini bar at the Barbican. I mean, that hurts. Oh, it does. It does, doesn't it? But look, pubs opened at the weekend, so hopefully it won't be long, James, before we're sitting in a pub somewhere. Uh, you know, nursing a pint, and I have to persuade you to go in and get the next round. <laughs> oh, you'll be lucky. You'll <laughs> be lucky. Yeah, did you go? Did you go to a pub? No, I didn't. I didn't, to be honest. I thought we, we'd leave it. My local that we normally uh, go to hasn't opened again. You didn't head to uh, Borough Market or Soho. I didn't see your picture in the, the Daily no, Mail at the weekend. It wasn't me leading the, leading the conga line. No, not this time. Did you make no, it I didn't, up? I didn't do it. Just... Um, no, stayed at home, watched it on TV. Yeah. Becoming a hermit. You are becoming a hermit, but I tell you what, you're the best dressed hermit that I've ever seen. I mean, that shirt that you've got on today, is that is that a lockdown purchase there, is it's, it? Or? It's not a lockdown purchase, no, but you know, got to keep, got to keep standards up. You know? oh. I haven't yeah. got any socks on, but I have got a shirt on. Yeah. <laughs> and you've got trousers on, just to, just to make sure. Good. So what have you seen? Anything you've seen that's uh, lit your fire at all this, this week, Jimbo? I dropped into um, a convention presentation this afternoon about turning everybody in your organisation into fundraisers and, and how you actually do that rather than just your CEO saying everybody is a, is a fundraiser. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was good. Um, fortunately, we, we were meant to be doing the, um, the Landmarks run earlier this year and one of the boys got in touch and said, come on, I really miss our Tuesday night runs. How about on Tuesday, as in tomorrow... How about we get together, we do a couple of laps of the park, socially distanced and team back out there. And one of the, because we always used to do this, do two laps of the park and then, and then go to the pub. And somebody else said, how about we just skip the run and go to the beer garden uh, that's open? <laughs> Unfortunately, managed to dodge, dodge that. So I think that's the new plan. How about yeah, you? You know what? I, I was thinking about coming in today and I was like, oh, what's happened over the last week? And I was just kind of like, there's not really a lot going on, is there? You know, when we're at home all, and you know, I think some, some people obviously taking the, the lockdown still seriously. I, I'm, I'm really surprised at the kind of rhetoric that's around at the moment that just people just forgetting in some situations that we're, we're still in this, 
in in this battle against covid so uh yeah getting my head around that but no generally generally fine i said i think i said on the left, last episode i had a tough, tough couple of weeks but you know been getting into it ticking a few things off the to-do list you know we've welcomed some colleagues back from furlough which has been a nice uh, a nice thing to experience and we've had some Good news on the, the the do more good front. We've got a, a couple of good episodes, a few good guests, and it's all looking looking sprightly, and I'm really enjoying yeah. it. So yeah, it's all good. Good, good. So, well, yeah. we, um, I have literally just come um, back upstairs from uh, taking a delivery, socially distanced delivery from an Amazon driver who has just delivered a Ken doll to my youngest daughter. Okay. Uh, bear with me. <laughs> there is a link, and um, I felt a bit. Oh, I felt a bit kind of insecure about it. I opened this pack and he's got the looks, he's got the charisma, he's an all-round nice guy, just like our guest tonight. <laughs> Absolutely, and let's crack on with it. So our guest this week began his love of running in the early 80s, uh, and he was the northeast cross-country runner for his home county. So he actually represented his county at a good level, which is amazing. And then after joining the Royal Air Force, he truly discovered his love of running and became a very good athlete, taking part in various races, competitions, all culminating in him actually breaking the 400-meter record at the RAF. And I think that's something we're going to ask if it still stands today. But unfortunately, injuries put a bit of a stop to his running career. So after hitting hitting the heights of, of breaking records, he, he kind of left running a while for it for a while, but roll forward to 2014, and then I guess he hadn't run for over 15 years. But after a friend was diagnosed with breast cancer, he signed up to the Great North Run, taking part for charity. And the character, the big pink dress, was born from that run. Now today he's gone on to raise over 130,000 pounds for numerous charities. He's won accolades galore for his charity work including being recognised by the Prime Minister Point of Light Award, which basically recognises outstanding individual volunteers and people who are really doing fantastic work in their community. He's also won the ITV Time Tees Fundraiser of the Year at the Pride of Britain Awards. Saw some of the footage of that. It looked absolutely brilliant. And a number of other regional awards. Too, too many to kind of go on about here. But he has since run over 60 races as the big pink dress. And there can't be many people who must have taken part in a mass event over the last few years, who haven't spotted his huge six foot, six foot six inch frame, is it? Something like that. He's a, he's a big lad. So we're really pleased to, to welcome and, and, and to have join us this week, Colin bergen Plues, aka The Big Pink Dress. Here he is. How are you doing, Colin? I'm absolutely great. Thank you very much. I love that intro, by the way. That was so professional. <laughs> you can hire him out. He does, he does birthday parties. He'll do the ITV. <laughs> when you were talking about the Ken doll, I was thinking, it's more Barbie for me. Like, I yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's very true. That's very true. Uh, but Colin, great to, great to have you on. How are you keeping at the minute? Well, you know what I'd say. Isolation is driving me insane, but you know I'm getting out every day. I'm doing, you know, good miles. I think I've done 40 odd this week. So yeah, it's been, been keeping busy and keeping fit, which is which is good to hear. Colin, we'd like to just start off at the beginning. There can't be many people who haven't probably seen you at one of the events or seen you. I mean, I know I was at London Marathon. We've used your picture in various places and <laughs> you're a great individual to kind of represent what, what charity fundraising and mass events and, and, and fun is all about and, and people have seen you. But take us back. That 400 meter record, uh, 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 15 yeah. years later, 
<laughs> and then jumping into the big pink dress, how did it all start? Do you know what I used to, this is no way, I used to train at Jaron Heaven Athletics Club and I've run against Steve Graham once and a lad called David Sharp and all this stuff. And that's when I realised I wasn't as good at 800 metres as I thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got, um, I think it was, I was keeping up with them for about, you know, 600 metres. And then it was almost as if I was standing still for the last 200 metres. <laughs> do, do you know what it is? You always think you're great until you meet somebody like that and you realise, yeah, that's not for me anymore. I don't want to do the 800 metres. Um, I've been on then, a dance floor with Kenneth Foreman, so I've had exactly that experience. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I was doing well. You know I, was exactly. keeping up. I was keeping up until about 2am, and then suddenly he started, he started bringing out all the moves. You should have, I mean, this guy just had it all in his back pocket. He was waiting for the right time. I'm so going to have to see this now. You don't want to see that, Colin. I watched the Inbetweeners movie the other day. I don't remember the the movie where they went to, was it Malia or something like that? And he's on the dance floor. Yeah, that's that's probably. Anyway. Anyway, still trained for quite a while after that was like 84, 85, something like that. And I joined the forces in 88. And I got into the 400 meter by total accident. I think I did the mile and a half trial in six minutes, 31. Wow. And, you know, I was, I was a decent-ish runner. And I remember one day, it was the Aria uh, Bryce Norton Championships. And they said, oh, we're short of a 400 meter runner. You know, do you want to jump in? I went, well, I've just had fish and chips and I've had a can of lager and stuff like this. And I turned up and I had a pair of Hawaiian shorts on. I didn't have my trainer, so I ran bare feet. And I had a, a, this horrible old T-shirt on, and everybody else was in their all-in-one outfits, glasses on, those <laughs> fake shoes. And I remember winning that race. I think I did. It was like I think I was forty-seven and a half seconds, something like that. Wow! And I'd won the race by about five, six meters. So I thought there was a full stop by the time I got the last hundred meters. I thought, away, is everyone?" And then I, I went. No, I think I, I did forty-six point one. Is sort of like one of my best times, and I think the RAF record was broken again about three weeks after I'd broken. So it was it was not a long lasting record. Didn't last. Still counts. Still counts. Hundred percent. I've got it in my yeah. heart. I know it's there. Yeah. <laughs> I bet they didn't do it in Hawaiian shorts either. No, no, no. Like I said, I was I was just so not waiting for a four hundred meters, and I didn't expect to be any good at it. But it turned out it was my ideal distance. Sounds like there's a theme running here. I thought the big pink dress would have just come in. You know, and you, as you said, 2014, you came up with the idea. But you've always liked, you've always liked a flashy outfit, haven't you? <laughs> actually, yeah, I have actually. <laughs> Believe it or not, I used to be an incredibly shy lad. And I remember when we did, um, when the, how the big pink dress came along was, I was working in a nursing home at the time and we do a show every year for the residents as a bit of a laugh, you know what I mean? And we did start in their eyes that year and we had to put our hands in the hat and pick out who we're going to be. And I got Diana Ross and the Supremes and that's where the first pink dress came ah. from. <laughs> but uh, no, it was great. Well, I, you know I hadn't even thought about when I got the start of the Great North Run that year, how tight that dress was. It was literally tight to the knees. And I thought, how on earth am I getting around 13.1 miles in this thing? I did it. It took me three hours and 42 minutes. But I had no skin left on the back of my legs at all. It was horrendous. 
was blood pouring down my legs. So, so what was the transition there then from from 400 meter runner taking a bit of a break? But how did you then get back into it? I think because we'd raised so much money on that one race. I mean, I went out to raise 350 pounds, and I think we'd raised just under 5,000. And I just thought to myself, do you know, this works. So might as well get back into training. And I applied for the London Marathon place. The 2015 came round. And I thought, I'm going to have to really train. But I've never done a marathon in decades. So I trained as hard as I could and all that stuff. And I did all right, to be honest. Except at mile seven, I tripped over the front of the dress and broke two toes on my right foot. So, <laughs> so, and that's where I met a great guy called Big John Green. He's, he's taller, he's six foot eight. And he was wearing a kilt and I was on the floor at the time. And it's not the greatest view in the world. But when he, <laughs> when he got it, he said, all right, he's a brummy, by the way. That's, that's my terrible brummy accent. <laughs> he said, uh, he said, have you got much? I said, I've got about 8,000 pound race. I've got to get the end. And he stayed with me the entire way around. I had 19 more miles to do. And he stayed with us. And he said, come on, keep going, keep going. And we got the, I own my medal, but you'll never, ever get it. But I do own it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was the reason behind Breast Cancer Now, Colin? How, how, how come that was a charity that you, you felt an affinity to and, and decided to raise money for? Yeah, um, one of my uh, wife's friends was diagnosed with breast cancer. Just, she'd been on it, you know, she'd been made redundant. She'd went around the world and she, I think she was halfway around a trip and she came back to see the girls. And when she was going out that night, she was obviously in the shower, she found a lump on her breast and she, luckily she went straight to the doctors and it turned out it was breast cancer. I mean, she's fine. She's uh, in remission, totally okay now. But to watch her go through it really hit me hard because mm. I'd never I'd never experienced anyone with cancer before and I just thought do you know what? I need to do something I'm not a scientist I'm not you know I can't magic this away but what I can do is a little bit of running I thought well let's raise some money and, and then you thought I'm not just going to go and run it I'll tell you what I'll, I'll dig out the old Diana Ross dress and we'll give that a, <laughs> give that another spin no it wasn't that simple it was like <laughs> When the pack turned up from breast cancer campaign, it was at the time, um, it was wear it pink. And the only pink thing a six foot six X-Forces bloke owned was a Diana Ross dress. <laughs> so I said, look, if it raises money, it raises money. I said, I don't mind looking like an idiot. And it just exploded. Honestly, the, the amount of attention it got was just mental. And I just thought, look, this works. Let's like I said, let's go to London, try it again, bigger distance. And the next day after London Marathon, I was invited onto the one show, and it was just insane because I was sitting in the green room with the likes of Matt Baker, Nancy Sinatra, all this stuff, and this big six foot six Geordie bloke in a pink dress sitting in the green room. And then Nancy Sinatra turns around and says, would you like a cup of tea? And I was thinking, again, this is great. This is what's my life come to. Do you know what I mean? I'm now sitting in a room with Frank Sinatra's daughter having a cup of tea. It's just, it was brilliant. I loved it. And I thought, well, look, let's keep it going. Let's keep it going to see how much we can raise. You've gone on since then, I mean, Colin. And, and, and tell us about the, the, the dress process. So that was your first dress. Did that get a few runs out before you started to kind of think about the next one? or? That one got retired to the loft after it took off my leg off. 
So I sat there and I thought, right, okay, I need to redesign this slightly so I have a little bit of space at the feet. And the next design sort of like went from a bit higher up and then I realized after London Marathon, no, that's, that's not right either. So I changed it again to like a massive six foot wide skirt thing. And it works perfectly. And every six, see, because I've got ADHD and I can visualize three dimensional things flat. Right. So if I can think of it, I can dissect it in my head and lay it flat on the floor. And so I don't need patterns. I just wow. go ahead and sew. That's it. So you make them yourself? Yeah, yeah, um, up to 87 now. Wow. Once you've designed them, what I'm really interested in is, and I've always wondered this about people that do anything kind of fancy dress for something like London Marathon or any kind of run, really. How do you train for that that kind of distance, planning to wear it? Do you just go out around your local streets fully dressed up or do you wear weights? So how how do you do it? It's actually a mixture of both. Um, I do have weighted vest, I wear hat, I wear layered of clothes, all that sort of stuff to get the weight and the feel of the heat because the heat is the main danger when you're doing stuff like this. Because, you know, I mean, I remember, what was it, 2018, the hottest London marathon? Mm. Yeah, that, 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 was, uh, that was something else. But I'm, I'm a chef, so I'm used to working in 40-degree kitchens, so I'm absolutely fine with the heat. But... When I do the training um, for London Bar and things like that, I do go around the coast road in the outfits to try them out because you've got to. I mean, there's no good getting, like I said, at mile seven, tripping out of the front of the dress and realizing that you broke your toes. So I learned the lesson from that one and it's best to test these things out. Can you think back, Colin? I mean, maybe it was that first time you, you ran the Great North or maybe it was one of the, the, the times afterwards, as you said, when you're sitting in that green room. When did you realise, like, just the impact that the big pink dress has on other people? Because I, I get the sense from, from knowing you a little bit like I do, and we've met a couple of times before, and seeing people's response to the, to the dress and, and almost what it stands for, you can't help but smile. But when did you realise that that kind of impact it was having? I think it took a couple of years. I, I really did. I, I, I think it took to the point where, you know, people are coming up and asking for selfies all the time with us and things like that. And... and you know, they said, oh, you're doing great. It's amazing what you're doing. We've seen you on this or we've seen you on that. And I'm thinking, this has got way bigger than I ever thought it, it would. And I, st- I still don't quite get it. Mm-hmm. Because there are hundreds of fancy dress runners out there. There are hundreds of, of guys you know, carrying rhinoceros costumes. I mean, that, that's just wow. Do you know what I mean? But for some strange reason, I do get a lot of it. I mean, I know it's, it's got six foot six nearly eight foot sometimes in these wigs and things. But it is, it is truly electric sometimes when you're at these events where you can't walk literally more than a foot and a half without photos being taken or without somebody asking for something. And, this, that. and it is, it's kind of like being famous, but I get to take the dress off and not be famous, which is class. It's like some kind of transvestite superhero or something. I don't know what it is, but it's, it's like Clark Kentet. But it, it truly humbles me. It really does. I know, I know I'm a, out, of, out of, sorry, I'm really loud and I'm quite boisterous and all this stuff. But I, I do get very humbled by the attention it gets and by mm-hmm. how much people praise what I do and things. And, I, I, you know, I've, I've never been out to be praised. I'm sort of like just thinking, well, this works. Let's raise more money type thing. 
And that's that's what I really love about it because I've got a platform now to raise more money. And that's great. You know, you kind of get better than that. No. So it sounds like there wasn't a there wasn't a sort of a plan to publicise it. There wasn't kind of for a, a team of marketeers behind you pushing out through social. And this and that. it just seemed to capture the imagination, and, and you went along for the ride. Yeah, hundred percent. There was yeah. no little little book I had saying, "Right, next week, let's make everybody love me." No, yeah. it was like it was just a total surprise, a freak thing. And it, it, it's like I said, I, I still to this day do not understand it fully, but I, I will ride this train until it stops, basically. <laughs> well, yeah, along the kind of the superhero analogy, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And you are, you are now stuck doing the, the Great North Run every year until the end, <laughs> the end of time, aren't you? <laughs> do you know what it is? This is so funny because I had a, a hard problem last year and uh, I think it was July, August. And the Great North Run was coming up in September. And I remember I was talking to Brendan Foster. And he said, hey, God, look, you didn't date now. I said, you look, we'll, we'll sort a medal out for you and all that. I said, oh, yeah, no problem. And I honestly, 100% on the morning of the Great North Run was not going to do it. I turned up in the outfit to wave people off and all that stuff. And I remember I was standing there thinking, I think I could do this, you know, if I just walk and I do really slow and all that stuff. And I remember going into the pen and Brandon ran over and said, what on earth are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> he said, if you die in my race, I said, I'm not, I promise I'll be fine. I've got a lad stayed with us the whole way around. It took me four hours to get around, I've got to be honest. And it was at one point my Garmin watch malfunctioned and it said my heart rate was nearly 200. I went, oh my God, and I put it on my friend and he went, oh, mine's 200. And I went, oh, thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It was, it was just an amazing, amazing response I got that day as well because there was loads of people out there wishing us luck and all this stuff. And I, I actually, I was filmed by a documentary team that time as well for the Metro. And they followed me all the way around and was saying, yeah, we we'll hope you're okay. We we'll hope you're okay. I said, yeah, any reason you hope I'm okay so that you don't have to scrap your filming. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. no, it was great. Putting it on ITV. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it was, I, I think they might be making a second series as well. But Colin, thinking back, I mean, you touched on a couple of there. Is, is there some moments as the big pink dress that really stick in your mind? I mean, whether they've been you know, emotional moments or, I mean, I can, I can imagine the, the interaction you must have with kids and, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's one in particular. London Marathon 2018. Amazing lady uh, called Kate. Now, Kate followed me online for about two, three years. And she was told uh, in the February that year that she had 12 weeks to live. And she had to go through all sorts of horrendous things. And it was eight weeks till London Marathon. And she messaged me saying, look, I hope you don't mind, but my bucket list is to meet you. And I sat and I thought, God, this is going to break my heart. I know what it is. Um, Because at that point, she only had four weeks left to live, according to the uh, doctors. So... That woman waited at mile 22 for five and a half hours, even in the condition she was in, to just to see me. And that's when you know how much of an impact you have on people's lives. And I'll be honest, I broke my heart when I met her. 
I'll give her a massive hug. We're chatting for five times. She actually knocked my best time in London Marathon, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I, I did forgive her. But <laughs> a year and a half later, uh, she had she still survived for a year and a half after that. And she always says, she messed me saying, your hug kept me going. Oh. And how, how can you not be proud of what you do when you have that impact on someone's life? Mm-hmm. I mean, our husband still messages me now saying, look, you have no idea what you did for my wife. And that is better than any medal or pride of Britain or whatever it is. That to me is what Big Pink Dress means. It, mm-hmm. It's kind of gives a little bit of hope to some people sometimes and that's that's brilliant for me it really is mm. oh i'm filling up now sorry <laughs> so she waited five hours for you do you do you find you mean you you might not even really appreciate it when you're running do you notice maybe crowds around you do people want to run next to you do they do they always try and beat you in a sprint finish do you get you in the rhino kind of <laughs> gunning for it those rhinos right i've got to be very honest with you right because I was quite new to London Marathon when I first started. I thought there was one. And I, I kept thinking, <laughs> how on earth have they overtook me again? I kept overtaking it. And there was like another one in front of us. I'm thinking, what's going on here? And I, mean, it was, I think it was Big John turning goes, you do know there's about 11, don't you? I went, is that? <laughs> I think that's why I did such a good time. Um, <laughs> But it was, uh, yeah, yeah, I do notice it. I, I get a lot of people, when I take videos and stuff on the way around, you can see the, the happiness on people's faces that they've seen the big pink dress and they're getting selfies. Sly selfies as well are great. I love it when somebody's like, oh, look at that one. Like, <laughs> quick sly, yeah. you know, and you're like, do you know what? Just say it. I'll give you a selfie anytime you want. It's what I'm all about. And it's, it's just, it is a brilliant feeling when you see such happiness on people's faces just because I've seen a massive bloke in a dress and I just think fair play to you it's like if that's made yeah. your London Marathon good on you <laughs> yeah and it really comes out I know Colin I wanted to ask you about something because I know you know been following your journey for a couple of years and I remember you was it last year and I don't think it was linked to you to the heart uh, trouble you had but you you talked about retiring the dress yeah for, yeah for a while and you were and and I remember hearing, I think it might have been on Marathon Talk when you sat down with Martin Yellen and you and you spoke about it then and you had the plans to say that, look, I've been I've been this far with it. It's I've done a load of amazing things. I've probably it's probably grown beyond what I could even have ever thought it would be. But that you wanted to, you know, maybe put it to one side and maybe find something else. And but we sit here, you know, eighteen <laughs> months, two years later, and you're still you're still soldiering on. What changed? Do you know what it is? Um, I think you have little moments like like I was talking there about K and things like that, and you look back at that and you think, why stop it? Just, mm. you know, cu- cut some of the races down. You're still raising good money. You're still sort of like helping people out. You're raising profiles of certain charities, things like that. And that's what kind of changed my mind. I, even, I talked to my wife. I mean, I did stop for about four or five months. And I was talking to my wife, and she says, you're missing it, aren't you? And I went, yeah. I'll, it's kind of, it's a weird sort of like having a, a weird older sister. <laughs> it's like some kind of weird family thing. 
where, where, where's Wolf Pink Dress? Oh, she's not coming around tonight. And it's kind of, it's got, it's got this life of its own type thing. And it was kind of, it was getting like, do you know what I miss? I miss doing it. I miss going mm. out and seeing the smiles on people's faces, like you were saying, and, and just, like I said, just helping people. Have you, have you done runs in that period where you haven't worn the dress? One race. And it was Steve Cram's first, uh, the 5K, Sunderland's first 5K. And I said, look, do you know what? I'm going to go out one night. And it was the weirdest feeling ever. Because I got there, no one wanted a photo. I was sitting there, yeah. I feel a bit left out here. I've got a sub uh, 35k uh, at my age, so I was quite happy. Yeah, it was good fun. It was great, but I kind of enjoy the big pink dress better. It's, yeah. it's the whole atmosphere of it. It's, it's just brilliant. And do you feel the pressure to keep it going? I mean, you talk there about how you miss it. Do you feel an external pressure on you to, to keep going? Because you can raise that money and you can, you know, shine a light on, a, on charities and, and yeah, then, absolutely. Uh, provide that inspiration to people. Do you feel 100%. external pressure? Yeah, um, this, it, it's a weird kind of pressure. And I, I don't think anybody else puts it on me. I think it's me, myself, then, look, you can do this, so why not do it? Do you know what I mean? It would take a, you know, a few people a lot more time to raise what you can raise. So why not go out there, do a run, and raise that money? And yeah, I've, I've no idea when it'll end. I've got to be honest, because unless my legs totally give out, then yeah, I'll still be doing it. And then at that point, I'll probably just wheelchair somewhere or something, or whatever. <laughs> I'll do something. <laughs> so whilst Kenneth is off getting the drinks in, I'll just remind you that you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Do More Good Pod, or take a look at the website DoMoreGood.uk, which is where you can sign up for the Do More Good newsletter. A reminder about new episodes, news on our latest plans, and perhaps some VIP content. Now, I'm a big fan of the like, whereas Kenneth is more of a retweet kind of guy. Either way, we'd love to hear from you with thoughts, suggestions, reviews, or just to let us know you got home okay. Anyway, he's on his way back now. Colin, I want to just touch on uh, on on the fundraising and 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 the charity side of things. I mean, you know, we know that a lot of our audience is obviously working in charities and fundraising, and it's obviously been a, a tough time as as it has been for a lot of people over the last last few months. But how, how do you approach it when when you you know you've got a you, you do you think twelve months out for an event? Right, I'm going to raise this much money for them. Just be interested in hearing your thought process and how you put it together. Yeah. It's a, it's a strange one. Um, I have talked to quite a few charities at this moment because I see a lot of them have had to furlough their staff. And you see, I'm, I'm not 100% sure that was the right idea. But then again, I don't know because I don't run charities. You know what I mean? Mm. I always thought that if any time you need people to raise money, it's now. I mean, you can do stuff online. And I, I don't, the, the problem you've got at the moment with the online thing is everyone is doing it. It's saturated the market a little bit. So I've kind of backed off a little bit with the old fundraising, I've got to be honest, because a lot of people don't have the money at the moment. A lot of people on fill, a lot of people losing jobs, things like that. So I've kind of, because it's not my job, I kind of said, right, I'll step back slightly. So I'm not saying, look, I need money this month. I need this, that, and that, and all that stuff. Because, you know, I know how difficult it is. I mean, I'm furloughed myself. So I'm kind of sitting there thinking, do I have a job to go back to? And a lot of other people will be saying that. 
So I've kind of, like I said, just stepped back slightly off it. I mean, mm. I am still fundraising now and then, and it's sort of like I did a walk for the NHS thing. I think I raised a thousand pound the other week and all that stuff, and I did a couple of other things. It wasn't masters of money, but if everybody did it, probably wouldn't be in the hole that we're in now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's 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 a difficult situation to get the right answer. You've got to you've got to be careful. It's a fine balance. I think we've had. I mean, we've probably talked a little bit about that, but that, I think you raise a you raise a good point there, Colin, regarding furloughing fundraisers. And I know there's been a bit of debate around the sector around is now the time to be, as you say, when when charities need money more than they have ever done in some situations that they should be furloughing fundraisers and I think you know obviously everyone's got their own situation to to deal with and and people have got to make decisions but I guess what I've seen over the last few months is that those big occasions that people still want to give I think you know people have always want to give always yeah yeah want, want to do something for a cause I think that's kind of bred into us in the UK is that you know charity is almost a part of part of everyday life the strange thing is in charity sectors and things they are and i know this is probably going to i don't know if it's about frowned upon but there are sexy charities and there are unsexy charities unfortunately the unsexy ones like i don't know i'll, I'll make one up just as an example type thing save the beetle in taiwan or something like that people aren't going to be good guys actually good guys that work in that <laughs> <laughs> they're coming on next week aren't they <laughs> I think I think it's Ringo Starr, the Beatles I was talking about. Anyway, <laughs> it's just you know there is charities that everybody wants to give. There's something about cancer; people tend to give to that and things like that. But it's going to be very difficult for the smaller charities these yeah. days. This is the thing. I mean, I'm I'm a patron of a great charity, the Kayaks, and they look after children with special needs and learning difficulties and things like that. But they're finding it quite difficult at the moment. So I'm going to be trying to do something for them in the next few weeks. It, it's, it's just unfortunate the situation we're in, there is no definitive answer to what's, yeah. what's, what's the best way to go about it. I think you do raise a good point though there, Colin, around the smaller charities and the, the less sexy ones, you know, I mean, and again, that's a, an ongoing debate, which you could sit here and have all day long around these big, you know, national charities which of course are struggling now and having massive fundraising deficits but they raise tens of millions of pounds a year as opposed to a very small local charity that's probably very much heavily volunteer led you know without volunteers it wouldn't exist and people yeah. aren't supporting them and, and actually i would say you know personally i would want to give to a smaller charity at the moment if they can if it keeps the doors open as opposed to uh, maybe a bigger national charity but as you say, there's no, there's no right or wrong answer. Well, Sorry, the thing Jeff. is, if, if you don't give to the bigger charities, they have to lay people off. And then yeah. it's, yeah, it's, so it's, it's a difficult situation. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, getting on a brighter note, if, if you follow Colin on, on social media, you would have seen his, his new alter ego, which I think, is, is, she a, is she developed during lockdown? Is this where she's come from? Oh. Hundred uh, percent. <laughs> so this, this is, is this is lockdown madness gone out of control. Yeah, because like, <laughs> I'm a chef, right? And um, I used to be a baker years ago, and I was sitting there thinking, do you know what? This people are just stuck in the house. They don't know what to do. And I decided one morning, 
to be hairy berry. <laughs> and she, she's had about eight different accents in just Scottish. <laughs> she's been Irish, she's been Scottish, she's been Welsh. She was Jamaican at one point, I think. I've got to be honest. But it was just, I just wanted to give somebody a bit of a smile. And to be honest, it was great because a lot of kids were off school at the time and things like that. And the parents were getting them involved with doing bacon and things like that. And, and they could win a hairy berry spoon. It's a craft made wooden spoon that I painted, basically. Oh, <laughs> so it's, oh. it's, it's not phenomenal, but it was good fun. And it, it's, I don't know how long more it'll last. You know what I mean? It'll probably last another few weeks or something like that. And then say goodbye to Harry Berry or something. She may pop up at Christmas to do a Christmas special. But hey, <laughs> be careful. You know what happened with the big pink dress? She could definitely turn into a... Sorry, James, you're just wondering what we're talking about here, aren't you? You're like, what is this Harry Berry uh, character? I presume it's some kind of northern thing, you two kind of having the Newcastle <laughs> love in here. No, 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 no. Well, actually, the one accent she hasn't had is a northern accent. <laughs> no. Colin, you maybe should have stuck to that. But I think... <laughs> It says a lot about you, Colin, though, because you can see, you know, every every interaction I think I've had with you and and seeing you online is your your posts are always filled with that humbleness that you that you touch on. I think that comes through all the time, but also that wanting to make others smile. And you know, especially during lockdown, if you can give one kid or one person who's watching a smile for the day, you know, I think that that sees you good. For, sees Do you know you right. the one thing I did notice when the parents of the children who'd done the bacon had won a spoon. They were so overjoyed to get yeah. this rubbish hand-painted spoon that I just thought to myself, lockdown's got a lot to answer for. That's what you look forward to. Like, yeah. <laughs> we'll take what we can get at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I'll send you a spoon, James. I'll send you a spoon. I'll let it, I'll let it play with the Kendall. Oh. <laughs> so what's the future hold? What do you think is the future for the big pink dress? I've been working with a guy called Danny Mitchell and he, he, he runs sort of like, he helps charities out. He's a great guy. He, he goes around and he, he shows them how to make more money, things like that. And uh, he's been working with us for the last sort of three or four months. And we're going to do a lot of things together. We're thinking about doing sort of like world record firework attempts, all sorts of things. I mean, we'll get our own virtual runs up to try and raise money for various charities. And we just we just want to try and make a difference. And he, his company's called Change. And with me being Big Pink Dress, we're thinking about linking together and becoming Big Change to sort of like make a difference. Uh, you know, mm. not just sort of like, you know, the average, let's go and raise a couple of hundred pounds. Yeah, we want to make it hundreds of thousands of pounds if we can, just to make a big difference to a lot of local charities as well. We'll see what happens. I mean, it's, it's early days. We're on lockdown. We're all coming up with mad ideas. But, yeah, <laughs> who knows what's going to happen with it? But I, I think it will go further, and I think it will develop into a bit bigger. And I would like to see that. It's hoping raise loads of money. Yeah, sounds good. Especially without your great North Run this year as well. It's been, oh. it's been put off. I mean, it, maybe that gives you a bit of a break. Maybe you were, maybe you were pleased. Look, I've got a space on my end of my rack here for this year's medal. I'm going to phone Brendan and say, listen, can I not just have a special one this year? I'll do the run. I'm fine. I'll, I'll live here. I'll go and do the run on the day. And what are, you see, what are you seeing, actually, just on that point, Colin, what are you seeing? I mean, I know you're pretty plugged into the to the running community and especially that running community that, you know, like taking part in these big events. And yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, both James and I are dealing with our own professional lives. 
but yeah, what 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 are you feeling? I mean, people are itching to get back, aren't they? Oh, it's it's honestly it's ridiculous. Every single day, there's so much speculation. Honestly, it's just it's the most conspiracy theory things coming up. Is this going ahead? Is that doing it? What? Or what do you reckon will happen? Will they send us a medal? Will they do this? Can we get out? Can we just do it anyway? And nobody know about it. I'm thinking, guys, just calm down. Wait until yeah. announcements. Wait until we know what we can do and what we can do safely. But you know, it, it it's the running community. Well, we all love what we do and we all like to get out there and get a medal, a bit of bling and a T-shirt. I think everybody is totally and utterly fed up of the whole situation. Yeah, certainly, we can certainly appreciate that, can't we, James? As I said in the intro, I mean, I'm desperate to get back out for my training run. Two laps in the park, aren't I? Clearly. Yeah. I don't think it was the running you were desperate to get out there for, was it? No. Well, look, Colin, we're, we'll probably wrap it up there, begin to wrap it up, but we have got some questions that we always ask at the end of our interviews that we'd like to fire to you, if that's all right. Absolutely. That will be off the cuff. Shall I go first, James? Go for it. Go on, you go first this week. Go on. All right. So, Colin, if you could transport yourself back in time and meet your 20-year-old self, what piece of advice would you give and why? Avoid pink. Oh, I think no. it looks good on you. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, do you know what, right? Back in my early years, I used to be really sort of shy and intimidated by a lot of people. And I used to be sort of like scared to say anything. I would get that out of me instantly. I would say, listen, don't worry what other people think. The world's a good place and, and your opinion matters. I don't think anyone yet has said, don't worry about what other people think. But I think actually as a, as a bit of advice to anybody at any point in their life, you know, it's as, it's as good as the rest because we all spend yeah, too much too time worrying, worrying about what other people think. <laughs> um, but yeah, James, what you got? Question two for you. Can you tell us about one life hack, a productivity tool, a habit or a skill uh, that you have taught yourself recently that you think everybody needs to know about? Let me think. Give us, give us one second here. That's what I've learned in the last few weeks. Uh, yes, stretching. See, I never used to stretch. I've got to be honest, right? I never used to stretch. And I had trouble putting my socks on the other day. <laughs> so what I did was I learned to lean forward more than I normally do. Because my whole, because I, because I'm since my heart thing, right, my hands just swell up quite bad. So I kind of have to sort of like do this whole shuffle with my sock. But if you put your two fingers at the side of your sock and pull them on, it's a lot easier. Instead of doing one finger at the back, there you go, life hack. Two fingers off. <laughs> we did have we, we, we did have someone. Uh, I think I uh, I guess last week who said eggs and pineapple was his life hack or eggs and bananas. Skill. Sorry, yeah, eggs, eggs and, and pineapple. Eggs, eggs and bananas. Sorry, fried for breakfast. I know. There you go. See, but uh, no, definitely stretching. I think stretching is something that none of us do enough of, right? Uh, Colin, so the last question for you, and I'm sure you won't have as much trouble with this one. So as a podcast that focuses around people doing more good, what's your favourite story or inspiring individual that you've met on your journey recently who has done something good for others? Claire Lomas. Claire Lomas. I, I know Claire. I remember when she came to do the Great North Run. I heard it on the news and I thought, how on earth can a lady who's been paralysed from the chest down walk the Great North Run. 
And I went up to see her as she started off. What an incredible strength that woman has. Mm. I tell you, I, I've met her a few times now. We're good friends. And I've, I've, I've met her for a drink in the uh, hotel at the Green North Run. To see that woman with her two children and the fact that I see her online every day and she's motorbike riding, she's, she's hang gliding, she's flying, she's dean. I'm sitting there thinking, I couldn't get my socks on this week. And I was thinking, <laughs> <laughs> myself, how can you not be inspired by Claire Lomas? She's an absolute, oh, I, it, there is no words to describe her. She is amazing, absolute inspiration. She's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Oh, great shout. Great shout. Yeah, that was a great one. You know, for me personally, thank you for, for coming on and, and everything that, that you do. I know you've spoken a lot about the positive impact of people have on you, but I think from everyone, we can all say thank you for that impact that you have on us because, you know, your, your, your positivity, your, your smile, your energy, your <laughs> relentlessness, it, it is, is very much appreciated by me, James, and I'm sure everyone else who's come into contact with you. So thank you for that. Thank you so much. That means a lot yeah. to me, actually. You're welcome. James, any final thoughts? No, that's been, that's been really good. I think um, for me, it's reminded me to go and give to a cause that's close to all of our hearts, and that is the, the Taiwanese Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that sounds good. We'll, we'll get that donation made. Colin, uh, if anyone wants to find you and they don't follow you already, where would be the best place to look or anything that you wanted to, to give a shout out to? I'm always on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, you name it, I'm on there in the big pink dress. Yeah, I'm sure no one will have a church. And anyone's listening, I'm sure you'd, they'd welcome, you'd welcome them for a selfie at the next event if they see you. So. Listen, that's one thing I do need to say. If anybody ever wants to have a photo, please just take one, right? I, I get so many, yeah, I was too shy to go and get a photo. I was too, I was, that, that's kind of, I'm not exactly, a, you know, this is what I'm here for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please yeah. take a photo. It'll be great to see you. <laughs> On that note, Colin, thank you so much for your time. Thank James, you. we'll, take we'll care. catch you soon. And speak soon, guys. Cheers. See you later. Just before we go, we're recording this week with Ellie Orton, Chief Executive of NHS Charities Together, about how they raised their five-year target of 100 million in just five weeks. We also caught up with Puff Story about the changes she's witnessed in the sector this year. Both episodes will be landing soon. We'll speak to you then. If anyone wants to kind of follow up and actually enjoy this thing, where can they find us? Well, we're on Twitter, Kenneth, at DoMoreGoodPod. Instagram, at DoMoreGoodPod. Have we gone multi-channel and even gone to YouTube? We have, but you can find all those videos on the website, DoMoreGood.uk. And if you want to contact us by email, please use contact at DoMoreGood.uk.